0: Manchester, your airport Hello and welcome to a podcast all about, yeah you guessed it, Manchester Airport. We're lifting the lid on one of the UK's biggest airports and giving you access all areas. So, whether you travel through the airport, know one of the 25,000 people who work here, or are just fascinated by what goes on behind the scenes to get tens of thousands of people up in the air every single day, there's something for you here. My job really was just to say, do you know what? It is
1: going to get better. And it absolutely did.
2: I just remember running into the middle of the taxiway and stood in <laughs> front of an Air France aircraft.
0: If you could choose one other job at the airport to do, which one would you go for? CEO. I'm Tom Fordyce. I'm a writer and a broadcaster. I live just down the road from Manchester Airport and I fly through it all the time.
3: And I'm Adam Jupp. I'm the Manchester Airport Communications Director and it's my job to tell the story of the airport and everything it stands for.
0: So Adam, let's talk about where we want to go. Let's talk about where this adventure came from.
3: I think one thing you, anyone who works at the airport will tell you is it's amazing once you get here how much it gets under the skin of people. Um, whether that's people who work here who you find 20 30 years later they're still working here and you know can't let go and they want to stay here forever or just the people you, you come across through your daily business or you just bump into in the pub or the street or what have you they've all got a story they've all got a real affection and passion for the airport And we think that's something that perhaps doesn't exist anywhere else everyone's of course familiar with their local airport or proud of it to some extent but manchester really seems to get under the skin of people and i think it's probably because it's been around 85 years, probably because it's been owned by the local councils, but probably because it gives something back and so many people have fond memories and it just made us think, you know, there's a lot goes on that people don't get to see and they don't they don't know about the airport or they've maybe just travelled through and never even realised that there's more to it and the fact that we bring that to them, you know, might make them a little bit more interested. So we, we felt that there was a real appetite for it and there's a real fascination out there and hopefully... It satisfies uh, that urge to find out more about the airport. So Adam, this episode is taking us back. It's all about the
0: history of Manchester Airport. I believe a celebration is in order.
3: That's right. We're 85 years old uh, this year. So 1938 was when uh, the airport welcomed its first flight and it's hard to believe that 85 years have passed but I think um, it's hard to believe it but equally when you see the passion people have for the airport when they work here, when they live near it and the people who've flown through here over the years it's actually easy to believe it's been in 85 years
0: What are some of your personal fondest memories, Adam, of Manchester Airport?
3: Well, you know, I didn't grow up uh, around here uh, as it happens and, you know, probably my first experience in Manchester Airport was actually staying in one of the hotels when I came down here for a Arctic Monkeys concert a few years ago um, but ever since I moved to Manchester in, in 2010, uh, you know, some fantastic memories have been, you know, various trips all around the world, either, you know, personally or, or for work. Uh, and actually, it was a real honour to, to get the job here, to come and work here. And so just some wonderful memories of working here, the colleagues i work worked with and the stories I've been able to tell uh, over, over that time.
0: Now, we all like a fact or two. Um, it strikes me, Adam, you're a very good man to talk to about this. So give me a few facts about Manchester Airport that might surprise us.
3: Well, some people are still unaware of some basic facts like having, you know, two runways. Um, You know, a lot of people around the country assume all airports have one runway, but Manchester has two and we've had two for more than 20 years. So that's an interesting fact. I think I'm sure we'll uncover this during the course of the podcast, but... 25,000 people working here. Uh, we've got almost everything you expect in a high street, in a town with a post office, a train station. Train station, I think, is the seventh busiest uh, in the UK, busier than some major towns and cities in the UK. So it shows you know, what a, what a hive of activity it is.
0: There is a whole community that has grown up around this airport in the last 85 years and we'll hear more Manchester memories later in this episode. And we'll also hear from the man whose job it is to run the airport every day. That's Managing Director Chris Woodruff. But first, a bit of history. Debbie Riley is chair of the Aviation Society, a group of aviation enthusiasts based right here at Manchester Airport. Right, Debbie, could you take us through, please, some of the history of Manchester Airport? I mean, 85 years is quite a long time, isn't it? What was the airport like when it was first founded?
2: I have to say, I can't remember it personally. (laughs) But certainly, uh, of course, it was uh, based at Barton and moved to Manchester. It was KLM who wanted to fly and Barton was not suitable because it was too wet and it was grass at the time. So that's why they moved the location in the 1930s to Manchester Airport. So it was KLM, which is the oldest airline in the world, they are the ones that actually uh, made Manchester be in this location. And then, of course, it uh, changed very much into a wartime aerodrome with uh, ferry aviation, with construction taking place here and, of course, the parachute training here. Uh, So it changed completely before it went back into civil use.
0: Ah, OK, right. Talk us through some of the different names that Manchester Airport has had over the years.
2: Well, Ringway, of course, and still locally known as Ringway because this is uh, the name of the area. It then became Manchester International Airport. and I always find it quite amusing that we always see the international when an airport is trying to grow. But then, of course, it became Manchester Airport itself. And I remember that change because when I first came to work at Manchester Airport back in 1989, it was MIA with a Concorde style logo. And of course, uh, in 1989, Terminal 2 was still a Greenfield site. They had the old station headquarters, Building 8, where I was based initially. So Terminal 3 just didn't exist at all either. So really it has changed immeasurably.
0: It is remarkable, isn't it, when you talk through all the different changes from such humble beginnings and such totally different beginnings, of course. And I often wonder when I travel through Manchester Airport, I try and turn the clock back a bit and think, if I were here in 1944 or if I were here in 1960, the the things that I might see then.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the iconic, I think they're still around there actually in storage, was the old glass chandeliers that they had in the old terminal. Oh, yes. In fact, there is part of those actually at the Runway Visitor part. but uh, they were quite iconic and I think a lot of people were very sad when they were disappeared, but I suppose it was kind of quite old-fashioned look really that they had, so they actually changed that. And I think you've seen a lot of differences at the airport because when we first when Terminal 2, for example, first opened, there was a lot of landside shops and the idea was the airport wanted to attract in a lot of uh, retail you know, people to shop that weren't flying. And of course, that's completely changed now with the new security arrangements. And uh, so we see most of the retail outlets in the airside locations now.
0: What are your favourite parts of the airport, Debbie? Because you understand airports better than I do. You're an aviation expert.
2: Favourite part of Manchester Airport, I've got to say the airfield. I was in airfield operations here, I was an airfield duty manager many years ago. My heart is on the airfield rather than the terminals in that way. Um, And of course I think with Runway 2 as well, I remember that opening, I was involved with the construction and development of that and it was a very exciting time. We had Terminal 2 open shortly thereafter, Runway 2, and it was a a really amazing time because the airport was just expanding so quickly. Uh, So I think I have to say runway two.
0: Okay, good answer. What for you are the other great memorable moments in the history of Manchester Airport?
2: Oh, okay. Well, I say I think one of the ones that I remember, of course, is when we got Concorde, and uh, I remember that it was my boss at the time, Peter Hampson. He was the former chair of the uh, Aviation Society, and he came in one day and he just announced we're going to get a Concorde. And it's like, what? And we all thought he was completely mad, but he had a lot of madcap ideas. It took Oh, probably over 12 months, but uh, we were successful. And, of course, we have the flagship Concorde, G. Boak, Bravo, Oscar, Alpha, Charlie. So we got the best of the best. And I remember it, uh, I think one of the memorable times was getting it into the park. Of course, we had to get metal trackway that was laid down, knock the fence down so we had security officers there, and then we had to tow this, you know, very heavy aircraft over the grass. It meant that the taxiway was closed for some time. And, unfortunately, to the uh, engineers suddenly decided to go and start taking the trackway up. And of course, that was right next to the the live taxiway. So I remember I had no radio. I just remember running into the middle of the taxiway and stood <laughs> in front of an Air France aircraft, basically with my arms up like that, which means stop.
0: Oh, crossed in front of you, yeah. And,
2: and I was just stood there in the middle of the taxiway with the aircraft. And in the end, they took the hint and moved. And I finally got a radio. But uh, yeah, it wasn't without its uh, fun and games, shall we say. But we got it in there. And uh, of course, now it's in the hangar. I think they're some of my fond memories, really.
0: Great memories, Debbie. Um, Tell us, for the uninitiated, tell us a little bit more about the Aviation Society, what you do, what you enjoy doing.
2: Well, we are basically like-minded individuals. Obviously, most of them are locally based, but we have some members from the United States, New Zealand, Australia. We have about 1,370 members. It's the biggest aviation society outside of London. So what do we do? Every month we have a meeting at the Runway Visitor Park in the RVP cafe and we have guest speakers. We also run trips abroad. We have behind the scenes tours. We've done it to air traffic control at Manchester, to Liverpool, Barton, the fire station here. We have a shop at the Runway Visitor Park. In fact, we are the second oldest concessionaire at Manchester Airport behind WH Smith's. Wow. So we've been going a long time. And all the guides that do the tours of the various aircraft in the Roman Vista Park are also our staff as well.
0: Fantastic. And um, of all the airports in Britain, of all the airports in the world, Debbie, why is it that Manchester has such a special place in your heart?
2: Well, I came to work at Manchester Airport in 1989. I was in, formerly in the Royal Air Force. I had a choice of either going down towards London or coming to the north-west, and I just thought the northwest was a more friendly place, shall we say. So uh, I've lived here for a long time. But the opportunity when I was working at Manchester Airport to be involved in so many exciting projects really was fantastic. And then I left in 2005 and I'm now an aviation consultant. So I've worked all around the world. And I think my experience at Manchester in a variety of roles set me in very good stead for my future.
0: Thank you, Debbie. Thanks so much for chatting to us today. Thank you. Our next guest is someone who has spent a lot of time at Manchester Airport. Mark Bocock has 30 years service here, first working for the fire department and now as the trade union convener.
4: Well, I started at the airport. I worked for a company called Ringway Handling Services, who were the ground handling company. So I worked for them for 12 years and then I moved over to fire 14, 15 years ago. So I'm coming into my 28th
0: year at the airport. Are there quite a few colleagues that you've got who've also worked here for a long time? A lot of you who've who've grown up together at the airport? Yeah, there's still people who
4: started when I started. Uh, at FIRE, we've got people with 35, 36 years service. A lot of people love it at the airport and they see it as a bit of a family,
0: really. One of the things I've noticed as, as we've gone around the airport and, and spoken to different people in different jobs is how many people work here. It is like a big town or a small city, isn't it?
4: It is, yeah. It is like a small little city. And, you know, you do get to know people from other departments, other companies. Everyone knows, you let on to people, you speak to people, and it's a great place to work.
0: If you had to choose a single memory from all your time at Manchester Airport and that you'd single out as your favourite, which would it be?
4: For me, it was the reopening after Covid. Aviation was the worst sector in the world and we virtually was on the verge of closing and for it to come back open again and seeing aircraft flying and people coming back into work, to me that's probably been the best moment for me. Do you love the busy days? Yeah, I love them all, busy days, the days when, you know, every day is different, you know, especially at fire. You were going out to medical calls one day, next day you'd be going to a fire call, fire alarms... Every day is different.
0: There's not many people I can think of, Mark, who've worked in the same place for as long as you have. So what is it about the airport that's made you want to stay?
4: I think it's the community, the airport, the staff. You know, I've always said to the company, what's your biggest asset? And they've always reluctantly at first said, you lot, the staff. And that means a lot to me because the staff are important and that's what makes the airport tick. So for me, it's, it, working here with the staff and the colleagues and the camaraderie, it's
0: brilliant. So Mark, you work here, but I'm sure you have flown out of Manchester as well. How's that when you're on the other side of the fence?
4: Yeah, it's different. It's good because you think people say to me, you work at the airport, I bet you get fed up of seeing people and you don't because it's part of your job. But yeah, when you fly out, it, it feels different. You don't feel like you work here, you feel like you're a passenger, which is good.
0: A little wave at some familiar faces on your way through as well?
4: Especially, uh, yeah, if you know them, you'd like to let them know that you're going away.
0: Mark, it sounds like you love your job, but if you could choose one other job at the airport to do, which one would you go for? CEO. (laughs) (laughs)
3: So, Tom, it's been great to have you and the team here for the past six weeks or uh, so recording uh, this series. We're, of course, here on episode one, but we've got lots of uh, stuff recorded for the for the whole series. Uh, we have asked people that we've spoken to along the way for their favourite memories of the airport working here, travelling here, and here's just a few of them to kick things off.
5: I'm Simon Calder, travel correspondent at The Independent, and this is The oddest thing which has ever happened to me at Manchester Airport. So I'm going to need to take you back to the very end of the 20th century. At the time, there were quite a lot of flights that began at the London airports and actually flew to Manchester, pick up more passengers and then went across the Atlantic. So I have one of those. It was Air Transat. I was going to Toronto, and unfortunately the flight was delayed. I was going out to do some filming for the BBC travel show, and so I said, when we got to Manchester, by which stage we were kind of three hours late and the crew were expecting me, can I hop off and make a quick phone call because I've got to alert them to the fact that I'm going to be um, late for the filming. And in those days, yep, they were very helpful, they let me help along with this other guy. So we got chatting as we were being escorted to the phone boxes. Anybody remember those? He said, yeah, I had a bit of a difficult experience last night. I was waiting at Toronto Airport for my flight to Montreal. There was confusion over the gates. I got onto a plane. I sat down. There was somebody already there. They moved. After about an hour, I thought, hang on, where is this plane going? And he had actually managed to the wrong flight and ended up in the UK and he was just phoning his his loved ones to say I'm fine I'm just surprisingly in the UK but of course um, everyone was um, as helpful as could be I think they even upgraded him for the flight back to Canada
6: I'm Rob Smith, I'm the aviation director for Manchester Airport. You could spend some time in this building speaking to people that have been here for many years and they would talk about walking out on B Pier and looking at the aeroplanes come and go my memories, I suppose, are growing at a level of fondness and being proud of this airport. I'm not from here. So I know the language of aviation and I know this business. But now I, I feel like I'm part of this region. I feel like I can really sell it with some honesty. And so I'm really fond and proud of being, you know, the representative of Manchester Airport on the road. Um, Pre-COVID, we were... I think within the top 20 of European airports, we're not a capital city. That, for me, has always meant we are punching above our weight, which is a term that I don't quite like because I think we are at that weight. We are the airport and the region and the city that deserves an airport like this.
0: So let's do the number crunching. Two runways three terminals, around 2,500 staff and 25,000 working across the whole site. A train station, police station, fire station and a post office. More than 60 different airlines and flights to around 200 different destinations. Now all of that is the ultimate responsibility of one man. Managing Director Chris Woodruff, who has just celebrated 12 months at the helm of Manchester Airport. Chris, you grew up just around the corner, I believe. I did indeed, yeah, from Widness,
1: um, half an hour's drive away from Manchester Airport. And this would be the first airport I ever flew out of as a child going on our summer holidays. Where were those holidays to? To Spain, to Gran Canaria in the end. So yeah, not too far, but you know, as a young boy in the 1980s, pretty exciting
0: stuff. Have you ever done that thing, Chris, when you're coming back into Manchester Airport these days and you've just had a little cheeky look out the window and tried to spot your old house? you can't quite see
1: our house but it's definitely one of those things where you're watching as you're coming into land but these days my problem is as the kind of aviation geek probably for want of a better term you're looking at how fast the aircraft's coming in what they're doing with the other aircraft on the ground making a few notes to feedback to the team they love it when i fly in and <laughs> out of here you can imagine
0: So it's probably fair to say that when you first joined Manchester Airport, Chris, it was quite a tough time for airports in general. Talk us through the situation as you found it when you arrived. So I arrived in mid-June of
1: 2022 and what I found was a group of people who are in the process of recovering their operation from a really challenging ramp up. So COVID regulations had finished, passengers wanted to fly, and they came back really, really quickly. The labour market was tight, lots of jobs, getting people through the process of getting an ID pass was slow. And so you pull that all together, and it's a challenging time. So I arrive, and the management team have all the right things in place to get that recovery well underway. And probably job one was just to convincing that it was going to get better you know the heads were down a bit and it was my job really was just to say do you know what it is going to get better and it absolutely did and I don't take any credit for that myself like I said they'd put those actions in place already and you can draw a chart of you know cleanliness of the airport of security performance of our service to passengers reduced mobility and every one of those lines gets better and better and better from that moment onwards so it was a good time for me to turn up recovery actions in place and now we just had to believe that those actions were going to deliver and they did and so the summer was okay from a passenger experience perspective but it just got better and better and by October half term it's back to 2019 levels of service we had probably one of the best Christmases we've ever had and then we're just carrying on and on getting better and so I've just been with the BBC talking about our preparations for summer 23 and how we really want that to be a great experience for our passengers and it's very much a forward-looking perspective. I'm not talking about comparisons of 2019, we're just saying, do you know what, we want it to be great and we've made investments to
0: make that happen. We've talked about you flying through Manchester Airport as a child going off on a holiday. From your perspective, what are the other big changes that the airport's gone through over the past 85 years? I mean,
1: aviation in 85 years is huge. You know, you think passengers flying in planes really 85 years ago was extremely rare. And then you go from prop to jet, the jets get better and better, and the distances you can fly get further and further. Actually, at the airport, it becomes much more of an experience rather than a, a service. And airports now compete with one another in that context. The people, in my catchment area, depending on where they're flying, they could be choosing other airports in this area, and I want them to choose Manchester Airport. And I want to do that because i think thinking, do you know what? We're going to have a great experience at Manchester. We've got the best set of destinations. You know, 200 different places you could fly to direct from Manchester Airport. 60 different airlines to cater for every budget. That's, yeah, you know, from my perspective, what you want to be getting done.
0: You now live, Chris, just down the road from the airport. When you're driving into work each day and you're, you're thinking about the future for Manchester Airport, you're thinking about the next chapter, what does that look like to you?
1: Joe, you know, I drive in each morning, and honestly, I think how lucky I am to be the managing director of Manchester Airport in this moment. You know, you've got the recovery from COVID well underway both from a passenger number perspective and also economically, which means we can be back investing, finishing off the Manchester Transformation Program, getting open for the summer of 2025. So as like 75, 80% of our passengers use that new terminal. And so you look forward and you've got that to do. You've got the new security equipment to go in where by the end of 2024, passengers won't have to take the liquids and laptops out of their bags anymore. And that's been a problem since, you know, August 2006. So it's, that's a great step forward for passengers and for their experience. And then you go further out and we start to think about, well, actually, we finish in Terminal 2 and then we need to go back and start to have them looking at Terminal 3. So, you know, as you look out, there's such a lot of opportunity. There's you know, 22 million people in Manchester Airport's catchment area. So you've, you've got a huge group of people who you could encourage to fly through Manchester Airport.
0: You know that thing that happens to all of us where you might be out with friends and you're introduced to someone you haven't met before, they ask what you do and you tell them. What are the things that you are most proud about at Manchester Airport that you always want to tell people?
1: It's the people, actually, and that was the thing that struck me when I arrived. You know, and as we talked about earlier, I arrived, and the service to passengers wasn't where we'd like it to be, and we've talked about why that was. But what was clear right from the first day when I got out into the security areas, is you had a group of people who really wanted to make Manchester Airport a success, really wanted Manchester Airport to be something they could be proud of. And in that moment, they weren't proud and neither should they have been because it wasn't what we wanted to be doing. And what's great now is that group of people who want to be proud of the airport now can be.
0: It's a big job, isn't it? I mean, we've been looking around the airport and you get a sense of how big it is. So when you're not working... What do you like to do? You know, as we say, you don't live a million miles away, so you can see the planes coming into land. You can probably hear them when they're taxiing. Are you someone who is always glancing up at the skies and, and keeping an eye on what's going on? It would be fair to say that my
1: work phone is usually not very far away from me. <laughs> and in today's you know modern connected world, I know pretty much what's going on in the operation minute to minute, hour to hour. I do a little bit of running, not too far now as I get older but enough to um keep in reasonable shape and then I also play the clarinet and that's probably the one time when somewhere in the back of my mind I'm not thinking about Manchester Airport and work because actually by the time I'm trying to play a clarinet in tune look at a conductor play some music my bandwidth is completely <laughs> used up and so there's no room then for Manchester Airport so
0: you know a couple of times a week I'll I'll do that and that's An enjoyable diversion. That sounds good. And as someone who has been at Manchester Airport and gone away and now come back, what does community around Manchester Airport mean to you? You know, airports cannot, by definition, exist in a vacuum.
1: You know, they are part of the local and the regional economy. They have impacts on the local environment that you have to make sure are managed. And you also have a great position of influence and you can use that to some really deliver some really great outcomes for the local community and so there's an awful lot of outreach that we do and that i support with local schools you know all the work we do bringing people who have been out of work for some time and helping them to get back into work and all these things you know just help to give you that sense of pride about working here
0: And of all the different places, Chris, that you can fly to from Manchester Airport, which one that you, at this point in your life, haven't been to, would you most likely to go to?
1: So Singapore, I think, actually. And, you know, some of those really long-haul destinations, I think some people don't even know you can fly there from Manchester Airport, but you can. We've got a huge amount of connecting traffic via the Middle East that literally means you could fly anywhere you want. But there's a lot of those direct services, like with singapore airlines and um we're actually planning a trip there in october and i'm very much looking forward to that chris thanks so much for joining us no problem
0: and speaking of very important people our next episode is all about celebrities and what happens when the rich and famous pass through manchester airport's doors get ready for some big name drops